A New Day's Light From Flashbangs and Frag Grenades By Calchexis Read by Sam Gabriel Based on League of Legends by Riot Games Chapter 2 Nightlife Evening was falling over the chaos of Piltover, a city that the assassin hated with a passion that bordered on the volcanic. It was a place that made a mockery of order, standards, and strength. A place where skill at arms was punished in favor of politicking, wheeling and dealing, and greased palms. Piltover, in the assassin's humble opinion, was actually worse than Demacia. At least Demacia had a proper martial tradition. It may be stuck in the past and lacking visionary leadership, and true, its values hadn't changed since rocks were soft, but at least the average Demacian appreciated strength. Zon was a bit better, but not by much, and its virtues were vastly outweighed by its smell. He had arrived at the so-called City of Progress a month past on the heels of his prey, with the full intention of tracking her down, killing her, and then leaving as quickly as possible. As it turned out, that wasn't how things had fallen. For all of his derision, the assassin knew that Katarina was no weakling, so he wasn't expecting an easy fight. He'd simply been hoping for a quick one. But, to his incredible frustration, he hadn't been able to keep eyes on his target for more than a few moments at a time. Every time he found her, she would inevitably flit away somewhere the moment he blinked. It was like she knew he was watching. Her mad, frenetic pace kept him constantly moving as he remained out of her line of sight, but the issue with that was that any time he lost sight of her, it was poor odds that he'd regain it. It was like trying to keep his eyes on a fly, only somehow worse. After almost a month, he still didn't know where her hideout was, and he was starting to question whether or not the madwoman even slept. Still, he had found a few spots where she routinely showed up, there was a junk dealer that operated at one of the cliffs near a freight lift that descended into Zahn, which she patronized with reasonable frequency. He'd found her there four times already, which had been the best odds he'd managed to dig up. There was a junk dealer that operated at one of the cliffs near a freight lift that descended into Zahn, which she patronized with reasonable frequency. He'd found her there four times already, which had been the best odds he'd managed to dig up. Speak of the darken, and she shall appear the assassin murmured as his quarry finally showed herself. He bit the inside of his cheek as he watched her clamber out of a drainage pipe and drop onto the ground, before shaking herself like a dog and wringing the sewage out of her electric blue braids. The assassin found himself both furious and deeply impressed at her unique combination of ingenuity and insanity, and he couldn't help but wonder if she was aware that she was being hunted. She'd so far given none of the normal signs that she knew someone was actively out for her blood. Given her penchant for ruin, she might just be avoiding the local constabulary, which the assassin supposed was fair enough. His quarry dawdled at the junk broker's shop for over an hour, sifting through random fragments of machinery dredged up from the scrap pits of Piltover. It was fascinating in a way to watch her work. Everything about her suggested a completely half-cocked nature, but the moment she began sorting through the junk, it was clear she was doing so with an expert's eye. Even from this distance, the assassin could tell that she was evaluating every piece of apparent garbage in the exact same way a Noxian Master Smith would examine a forged blade. To anyone else it might seem absurd, but the assassin knew well enough what it was like to have nothing, and when you had nothing, you used everything. 
Nothing was expendable. Nothing was wasted. Even the garbage had to be used to its fullest extent. He had a certain begrudging respect for his quarry over that. More so for her obvious skill. It didn't mean he wouldn't kill her, of course. Quite the opposite. The people he respected were the only ones he considered to be worth killing. Finally, she finished her shopping, walking away from the junker with a few handfuls of apparent scrap that she dropped into a satchel, which was immediately slung over her shoulder, and the assassin found himself praying to whatever would listen that she didn't just crawl back into the ductwork. Someone was listening, it seemed, because rather than return to the pipes, his quarry began scaling the building adjacent to the one the assassin had chosen for his perch. She moved at speed, going hand over hand without missing a beat, and for a moment the assassin was satisfied to simply watch her. There was a certain feline grace to her that was attractive in much the same manner as a finely honed street blade being pulled from an oiled boot sheath. While he hadn't been able to get a mark on her over the past few weeks, he had developed a sense of who she was, or rather what she was. This woman, whether she knew it or not, was an apex predator, and that, at least, was something else the assassin could truly appreciate. It would almost be a shame to see something so beautiful and deadly die. As his quarry clambered upward, the assassin matched her pace in the shadows, keeping his eyes trained on her at all times lest she slip away again. He was determined to make the kill this time. The spires were the best place to catch her. There was nowhere for her to hide, and once he got a handle on her, there would be nowhere she could run. The spire he was climbing was easily a score of meters taller than the others around it, which was why he'd chosen it. From there he could see everything that moved, and now that he'd spotted her he could claim the high ground against her, either allowing him to follow her more easily or... A grin twitched across the assassin's grim features. His quarry had stopped on the roof and appeared to be settling in. Better yet, she had her back to him and was apparently fiddling with some piece of machinery. Feeling cautiously optimistic, the assassin continued climbing until he reached a perch that was at the ideal height and angle to get the drop on her. From this angle, he would come in from a blindside, blade down, in a silent drop. She wouldn't even have time to scream. He just needed to wait for the perfect moment. He couldn't underestimate her reflexes. If she could bring down Katarina, then she had to be fast, which meant he had to be faster. Fortunately, he was. He was certain of that much. Setting his feet and bracing himself, the assassin watched and waited. His quarry's attention was focused on some hodgepodge piece of hextech, a trigger of some kind if the assassin were to hazard a guess, which was even better. An apex predator was at its most vulnerable when it had settled in to fill its stomach, and this one fed on destruction. If she'd wired an explosive, then she was probably here for a proper vantage point to watch the results go off. All he had to do was wait for the detonation. Curling his hand into a fist, he let the blade at his wrist extend slightly. He would have one chance to do this cleanly if he didn't take her here. It would be a running fight. And while he was confident he would win, it would still rankle if he couldn't end this on his terms. His quarry gave a broad, lackadaisical stretch of her arms, leaned in, raised the detonator, and the assassin felt his heart rate tick up just slightly in anticipation. She laid her thumb on the button, pressed it, and... The assassin's world turned into thunder and flame as half a dozen floors of the spire, including the one he was crouching against, exploded ruinously, 
launching him off of the wall. He cursed and twisted in the air, desperately trying to find his bearings. Everything was spinning, everything was tumbling and flinging pell-mell around him, there was smoke and rubble and the stink of explosive chemicals coating his tongue and nose as he angled himself on instinct. It was a graceless landing. Pain blitzed through him as he struck the rooftop of the Piltoven Tower and rolled. Muscles were bruised, ribs cracked, and blood filled his mouth as he bit his tongue and cheek. But he was still a Noxian, still an assassin. He turned the roll into a kip on his feet and bit back a snarl as he landed on sprained ankles. Before he could get his vision straight or his blade out, though, there was a snap of electrical discharge, and suddenly the pain from his landing seemed almost laughable. His whole body rebelled violently, his muscles spasmed, and his mouth filled with the taste of iron, but despite that, he stayed standing. Wow, still alive, huh? his quarry said with a laugh that sounded almost impressed. The assassin tried to extend his blade, but his fingers wouldn't close, his limbs wouldn't obey, and he was only upright by sheer force of will. She was holstering the weapon he'd been warned about in the dossier compiled from Katerina's debrief. Some kind of high-powered piece of custom Hextech weaponry. If this is what she'd hit Katerina with, then he was forced to reluctantly admit a touch of sympathy. His quarry advanced on him with a madwoman's smile that practically split her face in two. Her eyes were like garnets someone had dipped in blood and then lit on fire and looking into them made even his hardened stomach do a flip as an unfamiliar and unwelcome sensation of fear took hold. Move! The assassin drove the command out into his limbs from the very core of his being. Never stop moving. Never stop striking. Never stop attacking. Move! The assassin bellowed out a wordless roar as he forced his fist closed, ratcheting out his blade and surged forward in a killing thrust at the madwoman who didn't move, didn't react, and didn't even stop smiling. His blade stopped, less than a hand's breadth from her throat. Searing pain blasted across him, and every inch of his body went rigid as a cage forged from sorcerous light snapped into existence around him. "'Gotcha,' his quarry said gleefully as a hooded figure gripping a crystal staff shimmered out from under a perfect veil of invisibility, under a perfect veil of invisibility in the corner of his eye, a figure in the garb of a Damasian spell-thief. Talon de Couteau, the spell-thief said blithely. Now this is a catch. Luck spun her staff on her palm as she advanced on the caged Noxian assassin. He looked awful. His bladed cloak was scorched. His chest was a fused mess of metal and burnt fabric from taking Jinx's zap bolt straight to it. And his side, where he'd taken the hit from her light binding, was seared with solar burn. In truth, she suspected that her binding was the only thing actually holding him up, and she continued to concentrate on it through the focus of her staff to keep the locking spell active. Demacian, he hissed. Since when... Do Demacians work with terrorists? My work demands I do whatever is expedient and necessary, Master de Coteau, Lux replied, putting a saccharine lilt into her voice. And Zonites do whatever they're paid to do, she injected to Jinx flippantly. They're reliable like that, you know. None of those silly politics that get in the way of good honest coin. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You didn't say you were paying me with honest coin! Jinx said in mock's affront. 
I got standards, you know? Lux rolled her eyes, but was thankful for the hood as it helped with keeping her silent laughter in check as she turns to regard Jinx coolly. My funds come from reclaimed accounts, so I'm sure it was blood money at some point down the line, Lux assured her. Jinx eyed Lux critically for a long moment before shrugging. Good enough for me. She turns to face Talon again. So, what do you want to do with him? Kill me, Talon snarled. Do not throw me back like refuse the way you dishonored the last one. <laughs> dishonored? She's alive, ain't she? Who gives a crap about honor? Honor this. She made a rude gesture that had Lux fighting not to explode into laughter. You snooty walking bag of cutlery. Regardless, Lux broke in, mostly because if she didn't, she was going to blow her cover completely, and she wanted to have as little accurate information in Talon's mind as possible. We won't be killing you, Master Ducato. She tipped her head up just enough that he could see her smile, and wondered at how pale his face became as she set her staff in front of him. You're going to do me a favor, actually. What? The crystal at the top of the staff began to flash in a specific pattern, and Talon's jaw went slack as he stared into it while Lux extended her hands with her fingers splayed in a bloom around the crystal. Might want to hurry it up, Blondie. I know we're right next to Zahn, but the fuzz'll be here eventually, Jinx said from behind her. Lux rolled her eyes again, not speaking for fear of spoiling the spell. The flashing light increased its frequency as tiny snaps and sparks of hypnotic light flickered and blinked in opposing sequences, bombarding Talon's mind, disrupting it, and peeling open his mental defenses. Lux was no master cerebromancer, but she didn't really need to be. Light could do a variety of things to a person's mental state, and there was no need to brute force her way through something when she could just briefly pop the lock, slip inside, and make a few modifications to the contents. The nice thing about Noxians, Lux said quietly, is that once they think something, they don't really question it. Her crystal staff gave one final flash as she stepped back with a grin before snapping it up and turning, nodding to Jinx, who smiled brightly back. Talon collapsed on the rooftop as the light binding died away, his consciousness giving out under the strain of the damage at the intrusion into his mind. Killing Talon would have only drawn more interest and greater violence. It wouldn't have done anything but escalated a shadow war that Lux had no desire to fight in. Now, though, Lux had no doubt he would return to Noxus with exactly the report they wanted to hear, all about a successful, if fiery, battle in an exploded spire with an area Demacian spell thief in sight, which would buy her and Jinx some much-needed breathing room. Light flickered and folded around herself and Jinx, veiling them from view as they ran through the spires of Piltover. The sounds of sirens and klaxons filled the district where Jinx's bomb had gone off, and Lux grimaced. You okay, bloody? Jinx asked as they landed on a rooftop the district over from where they'd fought Talon. Lux shrugged as she flipped her hood back. There were probably people in that building, she said quietly, looking behind her at the smoking spire in the distance. I know it's better than starting a war of assassins in Piltover, but I'm pretty sure I broke every major rule in the book just now. Jinx shrugged. Hey, rules were made to be broken, like buildings. She gestured at the spire as part of it crumbled and pitched down to the ground. Or people! She jerked a thumb back towards where they'd left Talon slumped insensate on the roof. She slung an arm over Jinx's shoulder and nuzzled against her hair, 
pecking a kiss on Lux's temple. It's fine, Blondie, don't worry about it. Is it? Lux asked quietly as she stared down at a crystal. Did I go too far? Jinx huffed and moved around to Lux's front, took her hands and pushed the staff down so she could look straight into Lux's eyes. Those bright, springberry eyes of hers were so beautiful. Her smile was, too. Everything about Jinx was just perfect. Do you think you went too far? Jinx asked. Her face stretched wide into that oddly charming, ear-to-ear -ear smile. That's the thing. I don't know, Lux replied, an unwelcome knot of cool uncertainty hardening in her chest. Well, I do, Jinx said. And Lux hated herself for almost telling Jinx, of course you do, you're crazy, because that wasn't fair. It wasn't like Jinx hadn't done anything that Lux hadn't told her to do today. And so do you, she added. Furling her brow, Lux looked up with narrowed eyes. How do you figure that? she asked sharply. Jinx didn't flinch away from her tone. Instead, she let go of Lux's hands and gently reached up to cup her face. Jinx's eyes were wide and sharp and absolutely certain. Because, she said much more softly, he was trying to get between us, Blondie, right? That nod of uncertainty met an ember of anger at the thought, and Lux swallowed as Jinx continued. And I blow the whole world up to keep you. So how far would you go? Lux licked her lips. Her mouth was suddenly dry. It was a question she knew the answer to instinctively. She didn't even have to think. The answer to Jinx's question presented itself the instant it left the madwoman's lips, and Lux let it out without a hint of hesitation. A part of her hated herself for it. Another part of her reveled in it. I'd burn it all, Lux whispered hollowly as she relaxed against Jinx's cool, slender fingers. Every city, every forest, every ocean. I'd burn everything if it meant keeping you. Jinx's grin got wider, sharper, and more unhinged. And Lux luffed it. That's my girl. Lux leaned in for a kiss and Jinx obliged her happily. She melted in Jinx's embrace, draping herself across Jinx and holding on tight as Jinx kissed her warmly as night fell properly, and the spire burned in the distance. Their little argument earlier notwithstanding, today really had been such a good day. The text of this story is available on AO3. Music by Dot Matrix. If you would like me to record a story, voiceover, or character, get in touch using the contact information available on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as a link to my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.